Today's Super Bowl Sunday, right? And I wear this shirt because um, I have a dream, okay? And I, I dream that one day they'll be there, okay? Um, so I want you to find someone near you, or if you want to go from, from back to front, front to back, find someone and give your Super Bowl prediction tonight. Eagles or Patriots? Go. Do it. Eagles or Patriots? Go. All right, after you give your prediction, go ahead and have a seat. Awesome, thank you. So this past week, I, um, I had lunch with one of our living community pastors, Dustin Montgomery, and Dustin and, and Gabby um, recently launched out and started a house church um, to, to reach northern Kentucky, but it, it's um, filled with a lot of NKU students, which is awesome, and and I don't know about those of you that, that know Dustin and get to spend some time with him. Uh, man, I just, I just love Dustin. And our time together was just really encouraging to me. And, and, and I, I came away from our time just thinking, man, I'm so grateful for that guy. I'm so thankful for him and the influence that he has in my life and the impact that he has in my life. And I feel that way whenever I get with him. I, I feel that way whenever I'm privilege to meet with any of our living community pastors. And, and, and do you have people like that in your life, right, where you, where you just maybe have coffee with them or you have lunch with them or um, you stay up all night playing video games with them or whatever, you know, and you come away uh, from spending time with that person and you're just like, man, I'm so thankful for them. I'm just so grateful for the impact that they have in my life. You know what I'm talking about? You have people like that in your life? Um, well, that, that's my hope for us after spending the next two weeks learning about the Holy Spirit. Um, my hope is that after we spend some time just talking about who He is and what He does, that, that we'll all come away just going, wow, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, for who He is and the impact and influence that he has in my life as a follower of Jesus. And I have to confess to you that um, I grew up in church all my life, pastor's kid. I heard very little about the Holy Spirit, very little about who he is, what he does. And even in preparing for this series and teaching, I just had to really get on my knees and apologize to the Holy Spirit um, for my neglect of him and who he is and, and what he does. Um, so, so God is doing something in me uh, as, as I prepare and teach. And hopefully from what God is teaching me, you'll be able to, to learn more about who he is and his impact for you as a, as a disciple of Jesus. But as we, as we kind of dive in here to who he is, the question is, why, do, why spend some time getting to know the Holy Spirit? Why, why take a couple of weeks and, 
and, and spend some time getting to know him? Well, I think to answer that question, we need to go to something that Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of Luke. So join me in Luke chapter 24, and Dustin and I were kind of talking about this um, when we met, and, and it just stuck with me. In Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49, and, and the scene is this. Jesus has died on the cross. He's come back to life. He's resurrected. He's appeared now to several people. He's appeared now to his disciples and then he, he's going to give them a message. He's going to tell them something that he wants them to go do. In Luke 24, verses 45 through 49, Jesus says, Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And he says, you, disciples, you're witnesses of these things. You, you've seen these things happen. You've seen the crucifixion. You've witnessed that. You've, you've witnessed the resurrection. I'm here standing before you today, and, you, and you're seeing me. So you've been a witness of that. And, and now you're to go and, and preach and proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins. And in verse 49, he says this, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So he tells his disciples, okay, I'm going to send this promise that my Father's given to you, but I want you to stay in, in the city until, until you get it. Now I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote both books. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And so I want you to see how Luke starts the sequel, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, we are going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures this morning, so uh, if you have a Bible app, just kind of heads up on that, get ready, same with those of us that maybe have the pages, um, just be prepared, we're going to look at a lot of different scriptures this morning, but Acts chapter 1, keeping in mind what Luke has just recorded for us, these words of Jesus to his disciples, um, your witnesses, you've, been, you've seen the crucifixion, you've seen me rise again, um, you're to go preach repentance, forgiveness of sins, but I want you to wait. Don't just want you to stay here. Don't, don't go do this thing yet. And then we come into the book of Acts, and look how Luke starts this book. Verse 1, in the first book, O Theophilus, that's who he's writing this to, and he wrote the gospel of Luke to the same guy. He says, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He pre presented himself alive to them, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Wait for what? For the promise of the Father. Remember, he, that's how he closed the book of Luke. He said, I'm going to send you the promise that the Father gave you. He said, I want you. And so Luke's saying he, he told them to wait for the promise of the Father, which then he said, quoting Jesus, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then go down to verse 8. For some, this might be a familiar verse. Jesus is saying this to the disciples. But you will receive power. Remember, he closed the Gospel of Luke with, you're going to receive power from on high, this power and this promise. And the promise, in verse 4, he tells us is the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8, he tells us what the power is. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit 
has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, so Jesus is basically, basically telling his disciples, listen, I, I, I've given you this mission to go out and make disciples of all nations. I want you to go make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, make Christ known. I want you to go, I want you to bring Jesus up in your conversations. That, that's what I want you to do. I want you to be obedient to me. That's a part of the Great Commission that we often forget. You know, part of the Great Commission, he, he says, yes, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Jesus said this. So not is it just go tell people about Jesus, but Jesus, I want you to be obedient. I, I want you to do what, I, what I've asked you to do. And, and so Jesus is saying, listen, before you go live this thing out, before you go do this, you've got to have this promise from the Father and you've got to have this power from on high. Because if you try to do it without him, you can't. <laughs> you, you can't do this without him. This, this takes something, that, a, a power that's not human, a power that's supernatural, a power that's divine for you to go live this life that I'm asking you to live. You can't go do this. So he says, don't go yet. Don't, don't go live this life until you have the Holy Spirit. So on your chairs is this little string. I want you to grab the string. I want you to hold it in two fingers like this. Okay. Now, I want you to on, I'll just go like this, okay? On this, right, if you're holding in your, in your left hand here, this, this little point represents the moment that you recognize Jesus for who he is, you repented of your sins, asked Jesus to come in and just radically forgive you and take over your life, okay? Um, that moment when, when you became a Christian, all right? So that, that's what this little point represents. This little point represents the moment when you are no longer here. All right, that moment when you are in the presence of Jesus himself, okay, when you're in heaven, all right, when you're there. So everything in between, right, that's your life surrendered to Jesus. All right, all that. And on that line are all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of choices that you have to make, all kinds of things, right? The moment when, when you're not feeling like love for your spouse, but you know that Jesus says, I need to love my spouse anyways, or that, the moment where you have to make a choice to give into that urge of sin or, or not to. Or that moment, am I going to choose to worry about this when yet Jesus said I shouldn't worry about these things? The moment of am I going to trust Jesus with my future? All those different things. You know, the, the ability to, to, to share Jesus with people. I mean, this line is, is loaded with all kinds of decisions and circumstances about you following Jesus. And Jesus says this Living this is impossible without the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you can't do this. You can't live this life surrendered to me without the power from on high. He says, don't go do this. Don't go live the mission. Don't go tell people about Jesus. Don't, don't go. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in order to do this. So Jesus says... You need to get to know the Holy Spirit because you can't follow me without him. You can't, you can't follow me without him. You can't live the mission that I've called you to live. You can't be obedient to me without the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus not only said this, but he showed us by his own example. Go with me to uh, the gospel of Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Jesus not only said it, but he showed us. He modeled for us what it looks like to live the mission filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So in Luke chapter 3, you have the baptism of Jesus, verses 21 and 22. Luke chapter 3 says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, that's the voice of the Father, saying, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So up to this point, Jesus has not really preached a message. He's not really done any kind of healing, not done any miracles yet. He's not launched out into his mission that the Father has given to him yet. He hasn't done that yet. So he gets baptized, and in that moment, right, he, he, he receives the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes upon him that from heaven, the Father speaks down from heaven and says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then if you go to Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 And Jesus returned, so Jesus goes through this experience in the desert of facing temptation from his enemy, Satan. And then in verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So so I want you to think about this, right? Think about it in the context of the disciples. Jesus is saying, listen, I don't want you to go do this. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. These are guys who spent three years walking step in, in step with Jesus. They saw all kinds of miracles, all kinds. He sent them on mission trips, right? I mean, they saw him turn water to wine. They saw him make blind people see. They saw him raise people from the dead. They heard him preach. They heard him teach. They, they spent time with him. They saw him cry. They saw him weep. They saw... You talk about someone who had a resume for living the Christian life. It was those guys. But Jesus says, you can't go do this without the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to have him in you in order to live this life and live this mission that I've called you to live. And then Jesus shows us before he launches out into his public ministry, he's showing us that even himself, that in order to do this, he's modeling for us, you have to have power from on high. You have to have the Holy Spirit with you. And so in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. Okay, in two weeks, we're not going to be able to drink in all there is to know about who this Holy Spirit is. Okay, so understand that. And I'm still learning, just to be honest, I'm still learning about who he is and all that he does. But we are going to learn some things about who he is. And my hope, again, is that after we come away from these two weeks, like just spending time with that friend, you come away so thankful and grateful for the impact and the influence that he has in your life. Now, before we look at three attributes of the Holy Spirit, and that's where I want to get to this morning, before we look at those, I do want us to to kind of lay a foundation. What do we believe about God? All right, that could take forever, right? Just quickly, this is what it says on our statement of faith. If you go to our church website and go under the tab about us and go under then what we believe, you'll see something like this on, this, uh, on that page. Okay, Here's what we believe about God. We believe in the one living and true God, so one God, perfect in wisdom, sovereignty, holiness, justice, mercy, and love. And he exists eternally in three co-equal persons. So if you've ever heard the word Trinity, that's where this comes from. One God, 
Three co-equal persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, where do we get that? Well, we get that from Scripture. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, Old Testament book. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So we believe in one God, three persons. People for centuries have tried to illustrate, come up with a metaphor to best describe the Holy Spirit. It's never fully accurate because it's impossible to describe God. It just That's why he's God. I mean, you, but we believe it because we believe the Bible's true and we believe this is what the Bible teaches. One God, three co-equal persons. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I just want you to see what it says here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord our God. Now that word God is a Hebrew word, Elohim. That word Elohim is plural. So saying the Lord our God, not gods, but God, plural. I get it. <laughs> okay? Right? And our minds, our, our, our finite minds is difficult to grasp. Okay? But we're not God. <laughs> he is. So I get that tension. Right? To try to make sense of this logically. You're going to struggle if you're trying to make sense of God logically. All right? There's things about him that by faith you are saved. By faith, okay? But yet God has given us truths in Scripture. All right? And he says, listen, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The singular. Singular. So the Lord our God is one. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. Same word, Elohim created the heavens and the earth, okay? Even Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image, plural. Let us make man in our image. But one God, the Lord our God, is one. So we believe in one God existing in three equal persons. You see this at Jesus' baptism, right? You have the voice from heaven, the Father, speaking down, at Jesus, who is the Son of God from heaven, and then you have the Spirit of God coming down from heaven. So you have one God, three persons. And for the next couple of Sundays, we're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. So who is He? And I just want to see three attributes, three basic attributes about the Holy Spirit. First, that the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 5. Acts, chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. He is God. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. There was this couple named Ananias and Sapphira who were part of the church. And they um, were selling property and different things. They were dishonest as far as what they were giving. And in verse 3, Peter confronts Ananias and he says, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. So Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 4. He says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? Peter's still speaking to him. And he says, and after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? But you you have not lied to man, but to who? To God. So Peter is connecting the dots here. So you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. So he's equating the Holy Spirit with God. And then go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Just referenced it a few minutes ago. Genesis 1. 
And this is the very time, the very first time in Scripture where we see the Holy Spirit mentioned. In fact, it's, it was interesting to me, an interesting observation, that of the three persons of God, the very first person that's referenced is the Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He's a Spirit of God. Again, He's God. He's a Spirit of God. Now, the word Spirit there is a Hebrew word, Ruach. And you to, that's kind of how you say Ruach, okay? That's, that's kind of how it is. All right, it means wind or breath. All right, so the idea is that this spirit of God is invisible, right? Like I could, right, I mean, you can, if I had more breath, I'd blow all this here, right? But you wouldn't be able to see it. You wouldn't be able to see my breath or the wind, but you could feel it. You could see the effects of it. So the spirit is this, like this wind or breath, this invisible power, this invisible power of God and the, the word pre, or the preposition of speaks of relationship. So let me give you try try to illustrate this as best I can. Um, Bengals fans, we would say that Andy Dalton is the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, right? He's the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. So as soon as we say that, we put a relationship together. Andy Dalton, he's a Cincinnati Bengal. His role is what? quarterback. That's who he is. So in a sense, when you say the Spirit of God, Spirit is God and his role is Spirit. That's who he is. He's the invisible, powerful presence of God. So when it says that he's the Spirit of God, it's because he is God. You can't see him visibly, but you can see his power. You can see his power. So if, if the Holy Spirit is God, I want you to take 30 seconds and discuss this, this, this question. If the Holy Spirit is God, then what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? If he's God, then what are the implications of that? All right, second thing I want you to see is he is a person. Go to the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. This is amazing. I, I'm telling you, it's so, God is so, so cool. Um, John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. So he's God, right? But he's also a person. Look at how Jesus describes him in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is saying, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. I love that. I love that term for the Holy Spirit. Help for com- helper, comforter, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Look at the personal pronouns that Jesus is using to describe the Holy Spirit. He's referring to him as a he, a him. You can know him. He dwells in you. So Jesus sees the Holy Spirit as, as a person. Sees him as a person, a person that you can, you can know, right? Somebody, I think Keith talked about a relationship, right? You can, you can know. You can, you can know who the Holy Spirit is. You can know about him, and you can know him personally, right? Just like I can sit down and have a conversation over lunch with Dustin I, I, and get to know him. I, I can sit down and learn who the Holy Spirit is and, and get to know him. 
So Jesus is teaching that the Spirit is, is a person who can be known. And, and I want you to see, well, the Holy Spirit also has attributes of a person. He has attributes of a person. Go with, uh, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So, so Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a person, but we also see throughout Scripture He has attributes of a person. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, And do not, Paul writes this to the church, and he tells them, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Spirit. So that tells me that the Spirit can experience grief. He can experience emotion. Paul's saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, those are like personal attributes to experience emotion, to feel. And, and Paul's saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. A- another one is uh, he speaks. He speaks. Um, go with me uh, back to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. John 16, verses, uh, thir- verse 13. He speaks. Jesus says this about the Spirit. He says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. So we know He speaks. Now hold on to that and go with me to Acts chapter 8. So, so He's a person. Jesus refers to Him as a person. He, he can re- experience grief, emotion. He speaks. Acts chapter 8, verse, uh, verse 29. Check this out. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. That's in quotes. At least in, in my copy of the Scriptures. That's, that's in quotes, meaning like, I'm, I'm taking that as, that's a direct quote of the Spirit. Go over and join this chariot. Now, well, how did he speak? I don't know. Did he, was that an audible voice? Was that speaking within the Spirit of Peter? So Peter goes, I know this is what the Spirit wants. He's being led by the Spirit. We're not told exactly how. But we are told that he spoke. He spoke, right? Or he spoke to Philip. He speaks to Philip. So there's this understanding as a disciple of Jesus that you can hear the Spirit of God that, or that the Spirit of God speaks to you as a disciple of Jesus. But we're not told exactly how he speaks. So I'm going to be careful with that. All right? Because we're not told how he speaks. But we, we are told he speaks. So he, he feels grief. He, he speaks. And then he prays. Romans 8. He prays. So he's God. He's a person. Jesus refers to him as a person. The Spirit can, be, can feel grief. He, he speaks. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. I want you to see this. He, he prays. Verse 26 and 27 of Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You ever been there? You ever been on your knees? Or just like you go to your prayer time, like, man, I do not know what to say. You're feeling... Maybe there's a circumstance in your life and you're just so overwhelmed. You're like, I don't even know what to say. You know what brings comfort is knowing the Spirit's got your back. He will pray for you. He knows. He, he, knows. he goes to the Father and He prays for you. We don't know what to say. He says He intercedes for us 
with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love that. There have been moments in my life where I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I'm so thankful that in those moments, the Spirit of God is praying. He's a person. He's not some like use the force, Luke. He's not some like impersonal force, right? Like Star Wars kind of thing, right? I mean, he's a person you can know. And you can, he speaks, he, he prays, he, he feels grief. You can know him. So he's this personal, invisible, powerful presence of God. And last thing I want us to see is this Holy Spirit lives inside those who repent and believe Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. He lives inside each and every disciple of Jesus. Like Tom was saying, he, he works at CBTS, right? Because he's inside every disciple of Jesus. So, so go with me to Ezekiel. Yeah, buddy. Go, let's go to the Old Testament. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Check this promise out from God. Pretty sweet stuff. Ezekiel chapter 36. Verses 26 and 27. And this is God speaking here to Israel's people Israel. Ezekiel 26, or 36, verse 26 and 27. And he says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. This is God making a promise. So I'm going to put in, give you a new heart, a new spirit I got to put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. That, that sinful Dirty heart. I, I will remove that heart of stone from your flesh. That stone that's rejecting God. I'm, I'll replace it, with, um, or I'll remove the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, verse 27, I will put my spirit. Whose spirit? God's spirit. Dude, check this out. This is crazy. This should like drive goosebumps all over your body right now. Like Genesis 1, that spirit of God, I'm like, Bart, explode right now because that spirit of god who's like hovering like over the waters and all that stuff at creation i mean just like hovering there god is saying that spirit i will put in you he promises that was a pretty cool little move right there anyway sorry i mean he promises he's gonna put my spirit in you i mean so so which people is he gonna put his spirit in well jesus is awesome because jesus helps answer that go to john chapter 7 So God makes his promise of putting his personal presence and power inside people. Which people? John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. Jesus is speaking. He says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So God makes this promise, I'm going to put my Spirit in you. In who? Jesus said, in those who believe in me. Believe what about Jesus? Peter helps answer that. Go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Told you we'd look all over the place. Here we go. Acts chapter 2. Jesus, or Peter preaches this amazing message all about Jesus and who Jesus is, and it's only through him that receive, we receive forgiveness of sins that we're brought into relationship with God. 
And then in verse 37 of Acts 2, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what do we do? What do we do with what we've heard? Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And what? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So God makes a promise. He says, I will put my spirit within you. Within who? Jesus says, those who believe in my name, believe in Jesus about what? For the forgiveness of sins. That's only through Jesus' death and resurrection because he's God that our, his sacrifice is worthy and acceptable for God to take our sins, the punishment for our sins upon the cross. And so Jesus makes this promise that when a person repents of their sins and believe in him for the forgiveness of sins, they receive the Holy Spirit. Listen. Well, go with me. One more verse here. Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8. Verses 9 through 11. Right, so Paul affirms this, Paul confirms this, that those who are disciples of Jesus have the Spirit of God living inside them. Verse 9, Romans 8. You, who, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in, the spi- if, uh, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. In, check this phrase. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Jesus. You want evidence that you're a Christian? Paul says, do you have the Holy Spirit? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. I mean, that, that's, what Paul, that's what Paul's saying. Check that out. It's not, did you walk an aisle? Did you grow up in church? Did you, were you baptized? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Next question. How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit in me? Join us next Sunday as we will look at that. That's on purpose. I'm not, no shame. Okay? No shame. But I'm, can we get serious? It's not that you sign a paper. It's not that you ask Jesus in your heart. Whoa. It's not that you say a little prayer. Do you have the Holy Spirit of God in you now? That's what he's saying. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. You either believe it or you don't. And then he goes on, but if Christ is in you, hello, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life. Yes, he's life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave, Paul is saying, can live in you. Dwells in you, dwells in you. And that word dwell has this idea of like occupying a house. I'm going to ask the band to come. So, so that, that whole world word dwell means occupy a house. It's kind of like when you become a Christian, right? It's, imagine your life, your body is like a house. And when you become a Christian, you take the keys of your house and you hand them to Jesus. I'm yours now. And then Jesus takes the keys and he says, Holy Spirit, you go live in there right now. So the Holy Spirit comes inside and lives in you. And he goes through your house. He's like, man, I know. That's a pretty dirty room. It's a pretty dirty room. I'll I'll get that. I'll I'll clean that out for you. And then you go to another room and he's like, oh, man. Okay, there's a lot here. But it's just kind of been pushed off in the corner. I'm going to totally rearrange that. And so we're going to use that in a way that brings glory to to me, to God, like like never before. So I'm going to go in there. I'm going to rearrange that part of your life, rearrange that part of the room so that that can really be used for what it was intended to be used for. You know what what's so awesome about all that? 
He's doing it. It's Him. He's the power. He's the presence that does that. He occupies the house of the follower of Jesus. So so then, what's this mean? What's this mean? (laughs) Jesus says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, this is impossible. But with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that was hovering, if He's in you, that pain that you think is impossible to overcome with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's possible to overcome. That sin of your past that you're going, man, I just the guilt of that with the Holy Spirit and His power and presence in you, He says, it's forgiven. It's done. It's at the cross. It's there. Leave it. And, and, and that struggle of worry and trust. You know, like, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Jesus says, you can't on your own, but with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, it's possible. Because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the power of God. You have the invisible power and presence of God. It's possible. That's what, that's what it means. That this, what looks impossible for you to live your life surrendered to Jesus You can't on your own, but that's why Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. J.D. Greer, pastor, says this, the Spirit of God inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Jesus said, John 16, 7, it is to your advantage. He says this to his disciples. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why? So that rather than me physically being beside you, I can put my Spirit inside you. So that when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're at home, when you're walking the street, you do take God with you everywhere you go because God is in you through the personal, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit of God. So this life for Jesus is possible through the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. That's his name. Holy Spirit. So when we take communion, first, I want you to do this. I just want you to take a moment and examine your heart. Examine your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe like me, you just need to confess because you've neglected Him as God. Maybe you need to examine your heart and say, do I have the Holy Spirit? Well, have you repented of your sins? Not to grow up in church, whatever. I'm talking about just truly... Come to grips with who you are, a sinner separate from God. Have you repented of your sins, believing only in Christ are you clean? Examine your heart. And then second thing I want you to do, and if you need to confess sin, confess sin. But your second thing I want you to do. Ah, before you go to that table, you thank Jesus. And you thank the Holy Spirit for who he is and the impact and influence he has because it's through Christ's death and resurrection that the Holy Spirit came. And that you now sit here with that Spirit of God who hovered over in you if you're a disciple of his. Lord Jesus, thank you.
You're so good. We are so undeserving. I can't believe that you would do this, God. That you would see fit to come and live inside us. To give us the power that we don't have in and of ourselves. So thankful. And I'm so thankful, Jesus, to you for going to the cross, for coming back to life so that the Spirit could come and live in us, so that we could live for you, surrendered. Love truly came down, God. You are love. You poured out that love into us through your Spirit. I pray now that as we take the bread, we take the cup, that you would receive all the glory and all the praise, for you are worthy. And Holy Spirit, we love you this morning. We love you. We love you. We love you, personal, invisible, powerful presence of God. We love you. Amen.